The Mark Aram Show is performed before a live studio audience. No, I'll run this town to be near you. No, gray skies ever turn blue. Show it a good Friday Eve to you. Mark Aram here. You there at 707, seven minutes after seven o'clock. This is the Mark Aram Show, heard Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 p.m. on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I'd imagine a handful of you listening to the show right now are on your way to the Georgia coast or Jacksonville because tomorrow is the big one, the world's largest outdoor. I can't say it anymore, but it's Georgia, Florida. <laughs> And uh, with big, big uh, SEC East stakes, we're going to preview uh, tomorrow's big matchup here on the program tonight. Uh, joining me live in studio from the Bulldogs broadcast team, Neil Hondo Williamson, Jay Black, WSB Radio Sports Director, and from the uh, Bulldogs broadcast team, the legend, Kevin Butler. Gentlemen, thanks for uh, taking time out of your Friday night uh, before the big game. Hey, great to be here, Mark. Thank you. Kevin, thank Absolutely. Th- uh, listen, Kev, uh, as a former player, you know this is the this is the biggest regular season game on the schedule, right? I mean, throughout the records, throughout the history, uh, you go down to Jacksonville, take on the Gators. This this is what the season's all about, right here. Well, it really is, and there's a lot of nervous freshmen uh, sleeping right now or getting ready for bed, and um, you know it's it's good reason that they are nervous because the atmosphere is like no other, and that what that's what makes this game very special. Um, every time that you know that you're coming to Georgia, you know that you're going to play in the Georgia-Florida game, and it's it's the national audience. It's in that uh, neutral site that is um, just makes the experience grand. Hondo, you've been uh, with the Bulldogs broadcast team for years. I, I would imagine that when the schedule comes out, you circle this date on your calendar. You say, all right, Georgia-Florida is this date, and, and your focus is, is on that game. I, I just can't wait for it, Mark. I, I think I think back to 1975, 1976, 75, we went up uh, by a ton on these guys, I guess. 76 was the one, really, where we were down 27-13 and then scored 28 points in the second half with Ray Goff at the, at the wheel as a quarterback and, and how much fun all of that is. That's, that's really my first experience with Georgia, Florida. And back in the day, you know, the – the stadium, it wasn't half and half. It wasn't 50-50. No? It was quarters. Oh. So Kevin will remember this. When Kevin played, it was a quarter Georgia, a quarter Florida, a quarter Georgia, a quarter Florida. They had to stop that because the police then had to monitor sure. four fight zones rather than two. Yeah, that's that's oh, bananas. It was nuts back then. You know, uh, Jay Black, WSB Sports Director, let's do the X's and O's. Um, when, when the schedule came out, I didn't expect Florida to be ranked number nine at this point in the season. They have exceeded expectations so far. Yeah, that's kind of the one you know thing when you when you don't know anything when the season starts, but you think you do. Everybody says, "Well, Georgia's got an easy schedule. They're not going to play hardly anybody. It's going to be an easy run to the SEC East." Now, all of a sudden, you're in the middle of four straight ranked opponents, and the Gators all of a sudden have won five straight and ninth best team in the country. Yeah, they look like a legitimate yep. team now. You know, uh, we we thought before the season, you know, what do we know? But uh, the prognosticators were thinking, all right, Florida, you know, maybe a seven and five kind of team. They're ninth in the country, Hondo. Yeah, they're ninth in the country, and Dan Mullen's got to get some kudos for this. Of course, we're only midway through the season, but an interesting statistic that I saw this week is that uh, Florida, coming into the season, Florida over the previous 
since 2000, the beginning of 2010 season, Florida was 60 and 41. Mississippi State over that time, I think, was 63 and 39. What? Mississippi State <laughs> over the previous eight seasons had a better record than Florida did. And let's not forget that the Maroon Bulldogs were playing in the West. Yeah. They had to play Alabama, Auburn, LSU every every year. Ole Miss had some good teams in there, yeah. um, whereas Florida was playing in the East. So the fact that Dan Mullen's been able to come in and flip that immediately, when you think about the success that he had with far fewer resources and, and not quite the, the talent base, and not surprising. I guess the speed with which he's done it is what's surprising. What what I like for Georgia going to this is uh, they're coming off the bye week. You know, they get the bye week before Florida, so we can kind of forget what happened down in LSU. What happened in LSU, Kevin Butler? Uh, what exactly went on down there? Well, I think it was a learning session, unfortunately, and it's the kind you have to go through when you have a young team and that you go into adversity and you don't respond well, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, there's no way to paint this uh, this pig. It was ugly, and uh, we got um, physically beat up front. But I think, you know, if you take that the right way and you hear Coach Smart talk about it and his staff preaches it on a daily basis, it's not what happened. It's how you react. And Georgia has a great history of reacting under Kirby. You know, we've had some uh, battles that first year, but we'd always come back and improve some part of the game. Obviously, last year, we bounced back from a, a, a tough beating in Auburn. And, you know, as fans, we're expecting that same kind of turnaround. So I think the team can learn from that. I think the team uh, can build from what happened last year and apply it to this year. Uh, and they're going to need to because this is going to be a physical football game. I know Coach Mullins has convinced his team the only way to beat Georgia is to out-physical them. And they did that down in LSU. Uh, so there's good reason for Georgia to take notice and to be on game or else it will um, suffer another defeat. Kevin, did you see anything down there in LSU that kind of alarmed you that might not be that might be an issue the rest of the way or can, or can it all be fixed? No, I think it can all be fixed, Jay. I, you know, you don't ever want to say I didn't see the team bounce back properly, so it's going to be a reoccurring thing each week. I, I really believe that Kirby and them address that and they – have that resilience in their coaching. They have that resilience in the in the attitude of the team uh, to go back out there and, and not do what you did before. Um, and a lot of it is stuff that we did to ourselves. And, you know, you look at it, but drop passes, penalties, turnovers. If we do those three things this weekend, it will be an ugly weekend for the University of Georgia. The team that wins the turnover battle will win this game. And I really believe the field position coming off special teams in this game will really, really play a big factor. Mark Aram, Kevin Butler, Neil Hondo-Williamson, and Jay Black previewing the big game tomorrow down in Jacksonville. Uh, both teams enter the game 6-1, and one, but if they're both 0-7, Hondo, this would be uh, an important game, obviously, because it's the rivalry. But we've got the added fact now, this is going to be a factor in the SEC race, uh, in the SEC East race, because the winner of this you know, pretty much takes control of the division. Oh, no doubt. Well, Kentucky's still a factor sure. because Kentucky beat Florida and we have to play Kentucky next week. But we we take whoever wins takes that huge step forward. Florida is still going to hope then that we can beat Kentucky for them if they were to beat us. And if we win, we have to beat Kentucky. So I guess either way, the winner of to, of tomorrow's game is hoping that Georgia beats Kentucky. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's right. First time that both teams are in the top ten – Oh, no, first time both both been ranked since 2012. And first time they've been in the top 10 in 10 years. In ten, yeah, 
There you go, in 10 years. That's unbelievable. So, you know, again, <laughs> I hate to go back to this, but we, we previewed the season before, and, and I, as a Bulldogs fan, I'm certainly not an expert, but I looked at Florida and, and Kentucky and didn't think those would matter much in the long-term thing, scheme of things, but these are two big games right here. Yeah, I thought Jay hit it really well, and, and Jay and I, of course, we travel together with the team and work together a lot during the season, and, and we all talked about how the experts were all saying, oh, it's the South Carolina game that's the one that's going to trip up yep, Georgia. Exactly. You know? And then it became, <laughs> oh, Missouri with Drew Locke, that's going to be the one because, you know, Florida and Kentucky, they're terrible, yeah. and, and brushing them aside. And as Jay said, you know, they, they, then the season happens. Then you get punched in the mouth, <laughs> yeah. you know, and everything changes, right? Mike Tyson. Uh, Once you get popped in the mouth, yeah. Yeah, the whole going, fight changes. Exactly. You know, your whole game plan changes. Yeah. As a, you know, clear Bulldog supporter, I approve when Florida is terrible. But that doesn't really happen. So it is nice, and Kevin, I think you'll agree, it is kind of nice that this game is kind of back to something where, you know, it's an SEC East eliminator. Yeah, it is. I mean, I talked about how exciting it is just to play in the game. I don't care if you come in at 0-9 and 9-0. and 0. Um, This just adds to the excitement and adds to the, I guess, the intensity that both of these teams are feeling right now the night before the game. Um, you know, not only are you playing for the bragging rights and certainly, you know, all the alumni and all the fans and the pageantry that goes on for this game and you're playing for your fan base, but now you're playing for an SEC championship. Uh, this game means something. So it's even taken another step up. We've got game day here. We've got the SEC network here. Uh, the national attention is on this game tomorrow and they want to see who the heck the Georgia Bulldogs are. And the most exciting thing for these guys when they're going to sleep, they have a great opportunity tomorrow to take a big step forward. Real quick, guys, before we get out of here, uh, you guys need your sleep for tomorrow because the uh, pregame show, tailgate show starts at what time tomorrow, Jay Black? That'll be 1130 with Kevin Butler and uh, Jeff Dantzler for Dog Talk pregame. And then Hondo takes the wheel at uh, 1230 from the sideline of what are we now? TIAA Bank Field something or other? <laughs> I don't know. I still call it the Gator Bowl. Wow. Exactly. Well, we're here at the site of the Gator Bowl. We'll kick off at the Gator Bowl is at 3.30 p.m. Um, real quick, around the horn, we'll start with uh, UJ Black. Georgia wins this game if blank. It runs for more than six yards carry. Really? Got to run the ball better. Got to have a few more explosive plays in the running game. All right. Neil Honda Williamson, Georgia wins this game if blank. If we can protect our quarterback because Florida's got some fierce, fierce pass rushing ability, and we need to give Jake Fromm and or Justin Fields yeah, time well, to throw. <laughs> that's a whole nother matter. Kevin Butler, Georgia wins this game if blank. Georgia wins this game if Blankenship makes the field goal at the end of the game. Oh, Kevin Butler, star of the show, star of the show. All right, Kevin, thanks as always. and Enjoy the time down in Jacksonville. Uh, bring us back to uh, victory. Hondo, always a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Jay Black, you're not going to bed yet. You're going to stick around. I'll stay. I need you more. All right, special Bulldogs preview. Uh, the Dogs taking on the hated Gators tomorrow. Uh, our coverage starts at 11.30 a.m., kickoff at 3.30. What, what always uh, surprises me, if you know, for me, I've been here since 96, it's the Georgia-Florida game. For some reason, the Gator fans call it the Florida-Georgia game, which is befuddling to me. It's Georgia-Florida people. Not, no doubt. Not Florida-Georgia. That, does, that, that doesn't roll off the tongue. All right, uh, we'll be right back. Hang tight. It's the Friday edition of The Mark Aram Show.
Welcome back. Friday edition of the Mark Aram Show, the Bulldogs Gator preview show, if you will. Joining me in studio, WSB Radio Sports Director, Jay Black. Uh, I remember the first time I went to a Georgia-Florida game. Do you remember your first time? I do. That, that one I do, yes. Yeah. That's fun. 20, 2012, it was the um, Malcolm Mitchell pulling away for the touchdown at the end, and then uh, Jarvis Jones with his hand of God play right at the goal line to save Georgia. I uh, I stopped going because um, I realized that was bad luck, because every time I went down there, the Bulldogs lost. Well, well Spurrier was probably involved at that point, wasn't he? So. <laughs> well, there was, yeah, there were a lot of those Spurrier teams. Actually, the funny part is the last time I went down there, um, Bortz flew me back in his plane. Oh, that's yeah. Funny. But then he dropped me off at, at Peachtree DeCab Airport. So he flies me from Jacksonville to Atlanta <laughs> and then flies me, drop, we land at Peachtree DeCab Airport and he won't give me a ride home. <laughs> he won't drive me home. His car's there. I got to call a cab. This and, is pre Uber days. And kids these days, yeah, so I say kids these days, Uber was not there. Yeah, indeed. So, well, I'm not going this year, so Georgia should win. Um, we're going to continue our Bulldogs preview coverage tonight on the show. Coming up after news, weather, and traffic, uh, Eric Zier, uh, former Georgia Bulldog great, current uh, color man of the radio broadcast, will join us in just a second. Hang tight. We'll be right back after news, weather, and traffic. Mark Aram and Jay Black. This is the Mark Aram Show. Hi, this is Lewis Gusset Jr. This is the Mark Aram Show. And if you have any common sense, you should listen to the Mark Aram Show. Friday edition of the Mark Aram Show. The Mark Aram Show heard Monday through Friday, of course, 7 to 9 p.m. on the Nifty 750. Joining me in studio, WSB Radio Sports Director Jay Black on the phone, getting ready for tomorrow's big game. The broadcast crew, former Georgia great Eric Zier joins us on the program. Eric, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me on, guys. Listen, I want you to be in bed early tonight. You got a big day tomorrow. We got a big game for you to call. There's no doubt we've got a huge game tomorrow, uh, and it's good to get in this environment, isn't it? And uh, and have both teams ranked so high and so much on the line with this football game. It's going to be it's going to be exciting. So a little bit more prep to do tonight, and then uh, in bed and ready for the ready for the big day tomorrow. You know, uh, I expected Georgia to be at this place at this time of the season, heading to the Georgia Florida game. I did not expect Florida to be six and one. They've had a pretty remarkable year so far, Eric. Boy, it's a tremendous turnaround, especially when you look at the way uh, that it started for Florida, where uh, they lose to Kentucky in the first for the for the first time and uh, forever it seems like, and uh, all of a sudden they've gone on a run here where they are playing good football. That uh, you know that they've got a ton of athletes and, and a ton of talent there, and uh, Dan Mullen has done a good job of really instilling some confidence and belief in this team that they can go out and play with anybody and 
and they're proving it right now with uh, with how they're performing. Eric Zider joining us on the Mark Aram Show. Uh, we had the bye week last week, which allowed us to reset and rest. Uh, coming off of the worst performance of the year by far was the LSU game. What went wrong against LSU, Eric? But it was a uh, it was a perfect storm, wasn't it? You know, it was very similar to uh, Auburn from a year ago, uh, where we have probably our worst game of the year, uh, and and for us against LSU, definitely was the worst game that we've played this year. No different than Auburn, and you run into a team that uh, has one of their best performances. Uh, you know, but if you want to get uh, really into specifics, you know, I think the big challenge right now for uh, our Georgia Bulldogs is is can we make improvements in the running game, really on both sides of the football, but but maybe more importantly, uh, our run defense uh, it, it has been porous at times, um, and, and at times people have just been able to do what they what they've wanted to against us on the ground. And as soon as you can do that as an opposing offense, everything else in the playbook opens up, and and it, and it becomes extremely challenging to get off the football field. Uh, and you saw that against LSU. Uh, Joe Burrow was a, uh, no question, a serviceable quarterback and can do a very good job uh, and has done a very good job for that football team. But it was the damage done on the ground uh, that has been problematic. And, and if we don't get that stopped, uh, even tomorrow is going to be a tough road to hoe. I was a little surprised coming into the season that, that of two things, that Georgia's struggling to, to stop the run a little bit and – what is a little bit of an experienced offensive line seems to have trouble in pass protection, especially on third and long right now. Uh, you, you know, we've, we've had a little bit for sure. I, I think that um, when you look at the offensive line in the run game, uh, we, we are still doing a good job. We haven't had the explosive runs from last year. Uh, no question. Uh, pass game. Uh, we've had uh, a couple of uh, protect protection breakdowns. And I, I think what you can look at, there are some of the injuries that we've had where we've had to insert young guys uh, into the lineup, and then you get out on tackle where we've had our tackles banged up a little bit uh, that have been playing nicked and bruised and uh, and not at full go when you're playing against elite defensive linemen, even if you are a split second slow off the blocks because you're you're hobbled a little bit, it, it can be problematic. Uh, and, and we're seeing a tremendous amount of, of different exotic looks where teams are bringing pressure and uh, I think you add one other thing to that mix. You've got some running backs that are in the game that are still young and inexperienced as well, and those guys are critical in pass protection. So you add up the injuries, the youth and inexperience, both on the offensive line and at running back, uh, and I think that's where you're running into some of the problems. So the bottom line is when you lose Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, Roquan Smith, and Isaiah <laughs> Wynn, you got to uh, recover a little bit. Uh, there's, there's no doubt. And, and I, I will tell you, we, I, I think everybody across the country can see how talented this football team is, but we are still young and we are still inexperienced. And, and when you, you know, look at the program right now, the expectations are that, that we are going to be playing with the, the national elite. We still are. This football game tomorrow is obviously critically important to stay in that, uh, in that conversation. Uh, it, it keeps all of our goals in front of us, but, but this team has to mature very quickly just because of the, the youth and experience. Uh, and, and really lack of internal leadership that, that we've had to this point. Uh, we've got to have guys step up, and guys have got to grow up pretty quickly to be on that level. 
Eric Zier joining us on the Mark Aram Show, getting ready for tomorrow's big Georgia-Florida game. Our coverage starts here on WSB at 11.30, kickoff at 3.30 p.m., number seven versus number nine. Huge game. Both teams are 6-1. and one. That being said, Eric, how long of a leash will Coach Smart have, uh, have Jake on tomorrow? You know, I, I don't know. I, I think that really the, the plan that, that Coach Smart has had with these quarterbacks uh, and, and two tremendous talents, that, that we're going to utilize both guys in, in positions where it presents problems for opposing defenses. Uh, if anything coming into this, I don't think that plan is going to change. What I do expect is that the packages and what we begin to allow Justin Fields to do uh, is going to be greatly expanded when he comes into the football game. So I, I don't think there's a leash on Jake Fromm. I don't think he should be looking over his shoulder. He has had uh, a, a very remarkable uh, career so far early in his career between the hedges. Uh, I, so I, I don't think there's any concern there. I do think, though, that we will see expanded options for Justin Fields. And, and when you think about uh, Justin, as you, you, you make your way through as a freshman in this league, you get six, seven uh, games into it. Even if I look back so long ago when I was playing, uh, this is about the time where I began to uh, uh, get more playing time. And, and, you know, I think it was the fifth or sixth game that I actually got my first start uh, as, a, as a freshman. You get to this point in the season with the kind of playing time that he's had, even though it's been limited, mm-hmm. just all that time at practice, uh, he's in a position now where, where we've got to hand over more of the playbook to him if we're going to put him into the football game and utilize him. So that, that's what I would expect to see is just not a, not a short leash on Jake Fromm, but definitely a more expanded playbook for Justin Fields to come in and really showcase his talents. It's not going to be a Fatone Bouda situation, is what you're telling I, me. I, I don't believe so. Now, it, it, if it is, I think it would shock everybody. Uh, it, now, if it's a, it, it'll never be a Fatone Bouda situation just because you've got Justin Fields so highly recruited sure, sure. And, and such a talent. So it won't be a surprise. But I, I think that we'll see Jake Fromm in the, in the football game, and he's going to be the guy that is, that is pulling the trigger for the majority of the snaps. Uh, but I think we'll see Justin Fields uh, more than what we've seen him. Let me ask you as a former player, forget your role, your amazing role as the uh, color analyst. Let's not fill his head. Just yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> the amazing color analyst with uh, our buddy Scott Howard. Back to your playing can, days. Can you, come into the, can you come into the booth and, <laughs> and you know, just kind of you know, throw a couple of those comments every once in a while because those things are never heard ever when you get inside the radio booth it is you know it is just shots at you left and right so i appreciate those comments no I'll, you know what i'll text everybody tomorrow during the game just letting them know how amazing you are but you were an amazing oh. player as well um as a player talk about this game from the player's perspective how important it is and 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 what the players are thinking about tonight getting ready for tomorrow's big game well, well i'll tell you the the minute you step on campus uh, you start hearing about this football game as a player. The atmosphere is so unique. You know, there, there are, what, a, a handful of games across the country that are, that are played against rivals in a neutral setting where uh, it is just electric. Uh, it is your, your nerves are uh, probably at the highest point they're going to be all season during a regular season football game. Uh, you think about it constantly, and it, and it starts the minute that you – that you, that you step onto campus because everybody is talking about it. It's, it is that unique and, and that electric. Uh, and obviously when you're playing a team in Florida now that's ranked as highly as they are, uh, 
uh, it just it ratchets up all of those emotions that go into this football game. So uh, as a as a player, it is it's what you dream about. It's one of the reasons that you that, that you come to the University of Georgia or you go to Florida. Uh, it is to play in this game and, and be a part of one of the most amazing atmospheres uh, in all of college football. But it, at this point, you know tonight. Every one of these players is so locked into the game plan and what the responsibilities are and the routine of, of the season and of game week and of, of game night that uh, a lot of those nerves are beginning to subside a little bit as you really start to get mentally prepared to go play and you block out all of the hoopla uh, and pageantry that surround this football game. So it's, a, uh, it's an amazing event. Players get... Uh, riled up for it they think about it all the time but right now it's really about going out and executing and what do i have to do to help my team win and that combination of just the the setting and the atmosphere and the uniqueness of it plus both teams generally having two weeks off always seems to make this maybe one of the most unpredictable games in college football because it how many times has ever ever actually stated the script we think it's going to yeah jay I, i think you're spot on i think you could say that for for the vast majority of rivalry games and the vast majority of games just within the SEC, the gauntlet is so so tough and so difficult and everybody is talented uh, that, that if you come out of the gates and, and you don't get off to a good start, you know, we saw it against LSU and the other team is playing well, every team in the SEC can beat you. And then when you put a rivalry game uh, on top of that, you really can. It's cliche, but you can throw out records. You can throw out rankings. It really doesn't matter. These are two talented football teams that will play at their best uh, against each other because of all the things that we're talking about. There is no problem right now getting guys locked in to go play this football game. On both sides, they're going to be ready. Stakes are huge tomorrow. Well, they're always huge for uh, Georgia, Florida, but stakes especially huge tomorrow. Both teams enter 6-1. and one. Huge game, huge implications on the SEC race. Um, Eric, bring us back a win, will you? Uh, we're going to try two guys. I'm not sure I'm going to have a lot to do with it. But, Mark, make sure that you are texting everybody in that booth. I will. I've got Scott Howard on direct dial. See, as long as you have your game face on, that's all we need from you. My game game face will be on. You just better be ready to go. Uh, Coverage starts tomorrow at 1130 a.m., kickoff at 330. Eric, always a pleasure. Thanks, brother. Thanks, guys. All right, hang tight. We'll be right back. Friday edition of The Mark Aram Show. Welcome back to the show. Uh, special Georgia Bulldogs preview. Again, the uh, big game tomorrow, Georgia and Florida. I'm sad I can't be there, but I'm kind of happy I won't be there because that means the dogs will win. When I don't go to Jacksonville, the dogs win. Um, when I go to Jacksonville, they lose. So I'm staying the heck out of Florida this weekend. So uh, the dogs should win. But uh, what a crazy matchup. Number seven versus number nine. Thanks to Eric Zier. Thanks to Neil Honda Williamson, Jay Black, of course, giving us live updates throughout the weekend, a WSB radio sports director, and, of course, uh, Kevin Butler as well. That was fun. That was fun. Love them dogs. Love them dogs. You know what I also love? Christmas. Christmas is coming up, and that means it's time for the Mark Aram Show Christmas cards. So if you want a Mark Aram Show Christmas card this year, all you have to do, very simple, is uh, send an email to lowtchuck at wsbradio.com. That's lowtchuck at wsbradio.com. Send an email that contains your full name and your mailing address. 
and then we'll make sure you get a Mark Aram Show Christmas card. Here's the caveat, though. I'm only uh, printing out 350 of these bad boys this year. So uh, if you're after, if you're the 351st person to request a Christmas card, you will not get one. So do it quickly because the spots are going quick. Again, if you want a Mark Aram Show Christmas card with me, Deb Green, Longoria, Low-T, Little Sanjay, the whole crew, uh, you better email Chuck now. Again, it's Chuck at WSBRadio.com. Uh, send him your full name and mailing address, and you will get a Christmas card. All right, coming up after news, weather, and traffic, the markets have been very, very volatile. What does that mean to you and me? Chris Burns, my good pal from More Than Money, uh, mylifeismore.com. He's coming up, and uh, we'll try to make some sense of what the markets have been doing. Hang tight. It's the Friday edition of The Mark Aram Show. And you're listening to the Mark Aram Show. No, I'll run this town to be near you. No, gray skies ever turn blue. Welcome back. Friday edition of the Mark Aram Show. Mark Aram here, you there. The program heard Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 p.m. on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Thanks to uh, Kevin Butler, Eric Zier, Jay Black, Neil Hondo Williamson for that great Bulldog coverage. Again, uh, the Bulldogs and the Gators tomorrow. Our coverage starts here on your home of the dogs at 11.30 a.m. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Number 7 Georgia against number 9 Florida, uh, the lo- world's largest outdoor boom, boom, boom. I can't say it anymore, but you know what I'm saying. One of the greatest times I've ever had in my life. Chris Burns uh, joins me in studio. Uh, have you ever been down to the uh, Georgia-Florida game? I have, and I hit Georgia-Auburn a number of times, but never Georgia-Florida. George- All right, so, uh, you know, I was a, a, I grew up a Yankee in Connecticut. Sure. Didn't really pay that much attention to college football. Didn't really have a, a favorite team. Adopted Georgia when I moved down here. And I, I went to uh, my first Georgia-Florida game. And back when my weekend show was a sports talk show, right. we broadcast live down there. And I was blown away. The football game's great. The atmosphere's great. Sure. The talent down there was unbelievable. I have never <laughs> seen a more attractive group of women in my life. It was to the point, I'm, I swear to you, Chris, I'm doing a live broadcast down there. And it was to the point where... An average-looking woman got your attention. Sure, like, it was like, oh, look at that. She's at. It's it's insane. But anyway, that, that was back in my younger partying days. Yeah, uh, you wouldn't go now. Yeah, no, no, uh, yeah. And you know what? I'm just bad luck. Every time I went down, Georgia would lose. We got hammered. Yeah. So and when I don't go down, Georgia wins. So hopefully, Georgia will win uh, tomorrow. Hopefully, my heart will be okay because the last couple of weeks um, have been uh, chaotic in the market, mm-hmm. chaotic in my 401k, chaotic in my uh, mutual funds. What has been going on with the markets? By the way, uh, Chris is from uh, More Than Money, MyLifeIsMore.com, uh, financial guru, um, and the guy I go to when I when I need some help on stuff. W- what's been going on with the yeah, markets, we're five man? weeks down. And the crazy thing about this is that y- it, it really depends on your ideology. You hear a lot of people that are, if you're a fan of Trump, then you're saying, well, it's the Fed. It's the Fed raising interest rates. That's mm-hmm. what he's been saying. If you don't like Trump, then you're saying, what's well, the trade policies and everything with China? The reality is... It's really so many different factors, and people are just trying to peg one to feel better. But it's normal, right? The market's been up now. We're in the longest bull market in history.
century, mm-hmm. it's normal to say we're going to hit a slant. But what nobody knows now is, is this going to become a bear market? That's a 20% drop from your most recent high. Sure. Or is it just kind of a blip on the radar because the economy is still strong? We're just going to be going on fine after this. Nobody knows. So I, I log on to my 401k. Uh, it's through Vanguard here at the company. Sure. So I've got, I've got, I log into my Vanguard thing. And I logged on, I think it was yesterday, the day before, and it says, you know, click on here to see your blah, 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 your investments. Mm-hmm. And then it shows you since the last statement, <laughs> and my, and it was like down $70,000. Right. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. So now I went from $71,000 to $1,000 in my in my very- Right. You had a remarkable <laughs> loss. <laughs> no, but, um, right. you know, it's it's freaky. I'm, I'm listen, I'm 44 Right. I'm not going to be touching this for a while, so I, at long term, I'm I'm okay. Sure. But for folks that are are older, um, did they miss the boat? Uh, you know, was there a chance to to slide some of that stuff into bonds, or you know, what's going on? It's kind of how everybody's feeling right now. Is yeah. if younger people tend to go, holy cow! I say it was hard for me to save this money. It's going down. <laughs> yeah. I need to get out. Right. Exactly. And if you're close to retirement, you understand, man. If this is really bad right before I retire, is that going to hurt my whole income picture for the future? Here's what I recommend to people: uh, market timing gets us into really bad trouble. And market timing isn't just saying, well, I think the market's up, so I'm going to put more money in now. It's the constant looking at the market to say, if it's down, it's bad. If it's up, it's good. And we got to w- get away from the idea that up is good and down is bad. Sure. The market could be up or down, but either could be good or bad, depending on what you do. Right? In 2008, people that stayed in and kept putting money in, even though it right felt here. terrible. Right here. Right? I mean, you told me before I, you've done that. Yeah, I bumped up my... Uh my investments there. Right. You came out and you won in amazing ways, right? Sure. We're over 300% growth since then. So it's getting off the treadmill of watching it every day and saying, and I, and I really believe this, you have to figure out your risk tolerance. And most advisors, when they talk about risk tolerance, it's literally like you're sitting in an air-conditioned office and you get this questionnaire that says, if the market were to drop, how would you feel? And it's easy <laughs> to say, oh, I'm fine with risk, right? I like that voice you use. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> but, but when the market actually drops, you're like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. This is terrible. So real risk tolerance is saying, not only how do you feel about risk, but what can your plan handle? Because when you get to a point where, like in your case, where you go, I've got 20 years left, yeah. so truly I know I'm invested in a way that long-term will work, then you feel peace even if the market is tanking. Yeah. If you're close to retirement, the key right now is to say, how much risk can your plan handle? Minimal. We've dropped a little bit, <laughs> Minimal. but really, even though it's been a drop, we're back to where we started the year. It hasn't been some sort of catastrophic. We're coming yeah. off of ten, you know, nine, 10 years of growth. So the point right now is to say, hey- do we need to pull back enough so your plan's going to be okay because we haven't hit that real crisis point? Yeah. So close your eyes. Pretend you're a 25-year-old listening to the Mark Aram Show right now. Sure. Great time for I this mean, person, basically right? Am. Yeah, yeah, you basically right. are. Yeah. Great time for the, the millennials to maybe you know capitalize on this and, and start investing while we're on that down sl- cycle because they won't – uh, be needing that money for 30 or 40 years. So dollar cost averaging, all that good stuff. Yeah. I get into trouble when I say this, but when I meet with young people, I try to convince them this is monopoly money. Yeah. And they get mad. It's like, well, this is my hard earned dollars. No, yeah. it doesn't exist till you have to pull it out. Correct. So if you're even in your thirties right now and you've got a few decades until retirement, that money isn't real. And the more you can treat it that way, where, you know, over time, the, the aggressiveness you take and keeping on buying, even when the market's dipping, that's how you're going to win. But the problem is that humans overall, 
we just have such a hard time when we look at that number dropping. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's, um, it's I mean, it's human, it's human nature. nature. It totally yeah. is. Right. It's the when the market went up in January, there was more money that went into the market than ever before this yeah. last January. When it dipped in February, more money went out than ever before. So stupid. <laughs> so it's just that's that if we know that about ourselves yeah. and it's, you know, how can I really believe uh, this isn't real right now? Well, we'll keep we'll keep us up to date on on what you think about uh, the markets because it's been uh, it's been chaotic here as we close out the year. Usually in December we see uh, uh, the markets go up, right? You know, people. Know. Yeah, well, we have the last number of years, yeah. but again, what I would recommend for people, especially if they're close to retirement, is figure out. Hey, you'd be amazed how many folks come into my office with literally that ninety percent of their money's in equities. Yeah. Because when you're living for years with the market going up, you feel like you must be a genius. Yeah. It's like every year <laughs> exactly. I look and whatever I invested in went up, right? Yeah, exactly. And so pulling back to that point where even if we do have a full you know, bear market hit us, it's yeah. not going to ruin their retirement. Chris Burns from More Than Money, MyLifeIsMore.com, joining us here on The Mark Aram Show. All right, uh, the big story this week, obviously, was the Mega Millions, $1.6 billion. Yeah, I played. One, Yeah, I did too. I did. Yeah, One winner in South Carolina, so right. uh, probably not a Mark Aram Show listener. <laughs> I went over. I spent uh, twenty bucks. I bought ten tickets. Didn't even hit a single number, which is uh, that's fine. I knew I wasn't going to win. Uh, I've but, never played before. Yeah. I played both times, Friday and Tuesday. Yep. Both times spent twenty bucks and made ten dollars both times. That's that's actually for a lottery return on investment. That's not pretty. So I'm bad. I'm down yeah. twenty bucks still, yeah, but but I'm a winner. Actually, I can say I played once. I played twice, and I won both times. So let's say yeah. let's assume I win the Powerball, which okay. is you know eight hundred plus million. Yeah, you're in. Um, what's your advice to me if I if if I'm handed a big chunk of change like that, or say I get a huge inheritance or whatever. Someone listening right now gets a cash windfall in the seven figures. Sure. Uh, what, what's your advice to folks that, that find that money? When you get some sort of massive increase, um, the first look at that that you feel is, I can do anything now, right? I could never spend all this. Yeah. I remember this feeling. I was a youth pastor years ago. I went into the financial world and started working with people that were wealthy, you had a lot of money. And I remember thinking, if I ever made that much, I would be fine forever. Yeah. Right. I'd never have an issue. And that's how people feel when they win something like this. They go, I'm never going to have an issue. And they have no idea because they've never lived it, that when you buy that house, the upkeep is crazy, right? The cost and that car. And when you start to have an entourage around you, people like there's such heavy costs. NBA players or boxers, you know, Evander Holyfield, who made $300 million. The upkeep on that mansion on the South side was you know, like $80,000 a month. Yeah, and the hard part is that if you had stayed the way you were, then yes, you never would have had an issue, but that's just inevitably going to change. And so the goal is to say, first of all, the person that just won $1.6 billion, I saw an article recently. It was like they better watch out. They could spend it. All. They're not going to spend it. All. No. Okay, one point. If you win one point <laughs> six billion, feel free to buy the house. Like yeah. you're probably going to be fine. But if but but you see these people that win like one million, yeah. two million, and it's gone in a flash because yeah. it's just it, it's so easy to spend that. So the goal is to say, Mark, when you win, not yeah. if you win, when you win the Powerball, exactly, is to get people around you that have a realistic look at this, that have actually experienced that kind of money or handled that kind of money, and can give you some like, hey, over the over time, this is how much of this you can actually spend. Yeah. And still have enough for the future. My plan was if I had won the one point six billion, um, I'm I'm taking one million fun money. Like sure. give me a million Wells Fargo, I'm about to deposit a million dollars in my checking account. Right. That's my fun money. And the rest of it I'm just putting away. Like, you know, I'll set up trust and I'll do that. I'll take care of family and friends and all sure. that. But I just have a million dollar you know, a million dollars in fun money would be really fun. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is a lot of money. Exactly and even if right. you win even if you won like 
uh, $2 million, you know, something like that. It it is the same concept on a smaller scale. It's like how much of that amount can you take and just go guilt-free, I'm going to have fun. Yeah. But the rest of that you put away, and now you're set for the future. Yeah, that's the thing. And and I, I mentioned the the pro athletes before. I, I wish that someone because we see these we see these stories. Um, there was uh, Antoine Walker, a basketball yeah. player for the Boston Celtics. I actually actually played poker with him in Vegas a lot. Um, he he made over three hundred million dollars in his career, mm. and was and wound up being dead broke. Mm. I wish the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball would would assign. These stars, just like really conservative money management people, and yeah. and make sure you know, give them three percent on their money, however they can, and make sure they can't spend it all because it's so sad when when someone's made three hundred million dollars and then they're destitute ten years after their career. It's really right. horrible. Yeah, it's hard to watch. And the funny thing is, you see it with regular folks like you and me too. That if you just scale it down, and they say, you know, you come in, you get your bonus. Like people get a bonus, or they get your tax refund, and it's the same concept in miniature, right? Yeah. I take that money, and it's like finally I can go buy that big screen TV or whatever it is. But because you don't have a plan to say this is how much money I need overall, like the cool thing is when you know how much money you need, then you can be guilt free. Yeah. You exactly. can take part of that bonus and go spend it. But these folks, they get all the money, and they just don't. They don't know what they need over time. Chris Burns, always a pleasure. MyLifeIsMore.com. MyLifeIsMore.com. Um, if, if the market keeps getting all uh, screwy next week, we'll have you back on to discuss it, my friend. Sure, and if you win the Powerball, give me a call. <laughs> You'll never hear from me again. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Friday edition of The Mark Aram Show. All right, welcome back. Friday edition of the Mark Aram Show. Thanks to my buddy Chris Burns. Uh, yeah, the market. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, I'll tell you what you are going to do. You're going to send your name and mailing address. You're going to email it to uh, lowtchuck at wsbradio.com. That is if you want a Mark Aram Show Christmas card this year. Yeah, we're doing the Christmas card again. I think it's our fifth year doing it. Uh, we're doing 350 of them. So the first 350 people that request a Mark Aram Show Christmas card will get it in the mail before Christmas. It's a great-looking card. Uh, it's pictures of me and all the bananas on front. It says, Merry Christmas. You put it on your fridge and uh, brag to your friends that you know all of us. But uh, in order to get one, you have to uh, send an email to lowtchuck, that's L-O-W-T-C-H-U-C-K, at wsbradio.com. Put your full name and full mailing address there, and we'll make sure you get a a Christmas card sent out to you uh, this Christmas. It's good stuff. We like doing it. But again, we only have 350. So uh, if you miss the boat, that's it, because I pay for them. And I'm (laughs) 350 cards, photo cards, is expensive. So that's uh, that's what we're doing this year. Last year we did 300, and they went quickly. So uh, I figured you guys have been so nice this year. We'll do another 50. uh, But if you want the Christmas card again, mail email your full name and mailing address to lowtchuck at wsbradio.com, and you'll get the Mark Aram Show Christmas card. Uh, we'll continue the conversation online, uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's at Mark Aram. Facebook, Mark Aram WSB. In the meantime, go to sleep, little baby. Go to sleep, you little baby. Guests of the Mark Aram Show stay at the all-sweet Omni Hotel, located in the heart of Chicago's Magnificent Mile.